Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, October 19th, 2018. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Jay Book, of course, Ohio State at Purdue tomorrow night, 7.30 Eastern Time. Game televised by ABC. Buckeyes are favored by 13.5 points. Jay Book, just what are your general thoughts about tomorrow night's game? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm kind of mixed feelings here. I know a lot of people are concerned about uh, how the defense is going to hold up against uh, Purdue um, with their uh, high-flying offense and passing attack, and rightfully so. I mean, the, the, it's been well-documented, the struggles on the defense. But there, there's a feeling inside of me, a gut feeling tells me that Ohio State will be ready for this game. This is going to be a prime-time game. Uh, I think the scenario is not as not not the same as I was last year. In the end, I think the depth and the athletes for Ohio State will overtake uh, Purdue here. I look for the Buckeyes to go ahead and get the win and cover the spread. I just think that uh, Purdue's passing defense is horrendous. It's one of the worst in the country, and, and that's the strength of Ohio State's offense. And I think Dwayne Haskins. I think he has a shot to break the, the school record in passing yards uh, Saturday night. So I think it's going to be a huge game from him and this, this wide receiving core. I feel like when you look at Dwayne Haskins and the way these guys are playing, you know, the wide receiving core that you mentioned, I mean, it's like as long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot and have – I mean, they can have a couple turnovers. As long as they don't, like, lose the turnover battle, like, 5-1 to one or something – I just don't see Purdue, as you mentioned, with their defense being able to hang for four quarters. Now, I have a lot of respect for this Purdue team because Jeff Brom, I think he's a rising star in this profession, and I, thought, I think that was a grand slam home run higher for Purdue. They finally figured out that the two-quarterback system is, never works, and David Blau is finally he's taken off. I mean, they're, they're peaking. So I think Purdue's going to get some things done on Ohio State's defense. But, yeah, I, I just the way Haskins is playing, I mean, he's the best Ohio State quarterback that I've ever seen. I just can't see – Purdue hanging with Ohio State for four quarters, but I could see them making it interesting for a while, much like TCU did. I wouldn't be surprised if the game is fairly close in the first half, considering Ohio State uh, pretty much throughout the year is a slow starter. They make their adjustments at halftime, and that's when you really start to see them pull away from teams. Um, As far as the offense here, you can see just a monster game from these wide receivers, especially the yards after catch. Now on the other, on the flip side of that, I can absolutely see Penn State offense going quick slant uh, all night long against this Ohio State defense, especially with the dynamic freshman Rondell Moore there. If he gets some space, he's 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 yeah for Purdue, he's going to be gone. He's going to be out in space, and he's really going to be a problem. So it's going to be interesting to see how aggressive Greg Schiano is. Uh, he's going to be with this defense because if if they start um, rolling off some big plays, they're going to have to make some type of adjustments here. But I would not be surprised if Purdue has a really close in the first half and then Ohio State, uh, the athletes and the depth, they finally kick in in the second half where they'll pull away. I look for this game to be a pretty high-scoring affair. You mentioned the wide receivers. Uh, I want to talk about these guys. I was going to ask you about them later, but let's talk about them now. I, okay, from like from top to bottom, let's say like one through seven, this wide receiving core. I mean, this is the best group of wide receivers we've seen at Ohio State, right? And I'm not talking about like tandems. Like we've seen like Ted Ginn and Santonio Holmes, and even threesomes like Ted Ginn, Santonio Holmes, 
you know, Anthony Gonzalez, guys like that, going back a ways, you know, like David Boston, B. Miller. But as far as, like, one through seven, I don't think we've seen anything like this. Yeah, it's really surprising. And um, we knew that they were going to come in and and have a, a pretty decent season considering the amount of uh, playing time that these guys had had under their belt. And with Dwayne Haskins, you know, throwing the football, there was plenty of opportunity there. But to me, these guys have exceeded my expectations. The one, the one person that I'm looking at that I think is having just an absolute killer season is KJ Hill. The, the guy is as reliable as you can, as you can ask for from a wide receiver. I know, uh, Dane Brugler, uh, draft scout said that he's catching around 87% uh, of passers thrown his way from Haskins, which is absolutely tremendous. So pretty much almost 9 out of 10 balls uh, that's thrown at K.J. Hill, he's making the catch. That is just absolutely freakish. And, and the fact that right now you got two wide receivers um, in the 500 yards that could be potentially 1,000-yard receivers – at one point, we were just begging for one guy to be a, uh, knocking on the door as a thousand-yard receiver. You could have two of them with Hill and Paris Campbell, and then Johnny Dixon um, is still there in the mix. And Terry McLaurin, he's looking like he's going to be a double-digit touchdown guy. So that just kind of lets you know what type of talent uh, that you're seeing there. It's pretty historic. I don't know if we will ever see this uh, again as far as how deep they are and the leadership. That's the big thing for me is it's a very unselfish group. Uh, it's not very often that you see uh, several captains in one in one position group on the team, and you, you have that with the wide receivers. And, and the thing that you have to be encouraged about, it, it really sets the tone for the future, for those younger guys, the culture with Heartline. They're really outlining how to go about your business as a wide receiver, the things that you need to do as far as the intangible aspects of the game when you don't have the football, when it comes to your perimeter blocking, contributing on special teams, because at the end of the day, like it or not, those are going to be critical elements to Urban Meyer uh, when he's evaluating players if they're going to see the field or not. Yeah, there's been so much belly aching about this team, so much complaining, even though they're seven and zero. And people will preface it with, "I know they're seven and zero," but, but I think we have to point out. I mean, you know, as we're kind of alluding to with with our comments, this is a special passing offense that we're seeing. We're never going to see anything like this again. When you talk about, it's like the combination of the best passing quarterback ever at Ohio State with the best wide receiving core top to bottom, like I said, one through seven that we've ever seen at Ohio State, in my opinion. I mean, coming together with guys, you know, rising star like Ryan Day having more influence, Kevin Wilson's on the staff, Urban Meyer, living legend. So I know there's a lot of issues with the team out there, Bucknutters, but enjoy the fact that you're seeing something, like, immensely special with this passing game. Okay, now back to complaining, Jay Book. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the field safety position continues to be an issue. Uh, Isaiah Pryor did have the interception last week. Urban Meyer said on his call-in show yesterday, Jay Book, he said that uh, he does feel like Isaiah Pryor is getting, quote, a lot better. He cited the interception. I know he had the interception, but, man, I thought he struggled last week. I'm just – I'm not seeing it. What, what are you seeing from Isaiah Pryor? 
He's he's very inconsistent. You would expect that from a guy with not a lot of game experience. Uh, yes, he got his hands on the football, um, but as you mentioned, he struggled. He's going to have his ups and downs. And, and the thing uh, that is somewhat concerning is Minnesota and Indiana, they're, they're below average football teams. When, when I'm looking at this defense and when I'm – judging when I'm basing my opinions on this team is how do you stack up against the big boys, against the, the LSUs, the, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, um, and, and I wouldn't even, you know, be shy to say Michigan if they can get past Michigan State. How, how, does, how do you stack up against them? Are these guys going to be able to make the plays in the big games? And, and so far against the mediocre teams, They've struggled. Obviously, they can get better. Um, I know a lot of people like to point to points per possession stat, um, which is, you know, it, it's a fair stat to point out, but it, it's, you know, essentially saying that Ohio State defense is, is only allowing certain amount of points per possession that the offense has to football. Um, but we just have to get better. That's the bottom line. They have to make plays, stop blowing coverages, get people lined up correctly, and make plays on the football. Get your head around and find the ball once it's in the air. Jay Book, Joshua Alabi might start at left tackle tomorrow night. Uh, Urban Meyer said that Thayer Mumford is probable. He said that on his call show yesterday, but Greg Sodraw said when I asked him about it on Wednesday after practice that Mumford has not even practiced at all this week. We know how important, especially the Tuesday and Wednesday practices are. Still, it's unclear if he practiced yesterday. Even if he did, I tend to think, reading the tea leaves here, that, that Josh Alabi is going to be the starting left tackle um, tomorrow night. Just what are your thoughts about that situation? Yeah, I think uh, Josh is going to get the start here. Um, rest, rest there. If the guy is not healthy enough to be practicing all week when it matters, then I'm highly skeptical that he's going to uh, truck out there and start come Saturday. I, to be honest, I'm I'm concerned about this offensive line. I mean, uh, Isaiah Prince. I know Urban came back and said that he he started the game having his best game ever, and then he got dominated, and then he bounced back. You can't have that from a guy who is a veteran player. You cannot uh, get beat like a drum like that. Yes, he you know bounced back some, but. Overall, this offensive line needs to pick it up. I know a lot of people say it's a numbers game. They're getting outnumbered in the box when it comes to the run game. But to me, just my sense in my eyes is just telling me that they're just okay. They're not really great at one particular thing. Um, They're not great at run blocking. They're just okay at pass blocking. Can we get this unit to start? clicking at a high level, it's going to be imperative, especially come November, because as the weather turns, you got to be able to run the football. And now that you got health issues uh, with that offensive line, it's just another added element to it. You cannot rely on Dwayne Haskins throwing for 400 yards a game. If you get a swirling wind in Ohio Stadium with rain and torrential downpours, which could affect uh, – you know, the throwing game, you have to be able to run the ball, regardless if teams are stacking the box or not. 
teams all across the country who are dynamic are getting uh, stacked boxes, but you still got to find a way to average more than three yards a carry. All right, before we get you out of here, my friend, uh, I haven't asked you about this. I don't even know if I've seen your uh, takes on social media just because I've been trying to be a hermit all week. Now I've been, I, I, was, I was a little under the weather for part of the week, but Nick Bosa's decision, obviously the biggest story in, in all of college football, not that Ohio State has dominated college football discussion at any point this uh, season or off season, but uh, Nick Bosa's decision, where do you come down on that? Just what's your take on that? Yeah, I everybody agrees it was the correct business decision, 100%. He made the right move as far as um, trying to protect himself from further injury and, and um, lowering his draft stock. I think, personally, I would have stayed around um, my the, my brother's there, especially when you got younger guys like a Tyreek Smith. If there's anything that he can do to help mentor and help coach him on the field would, would have been a huge um, asset to the team. Just having him around the guys and, and being part of uh, the football program, considering they voted him a captain, you would have liked to have seen that. But obviously – um, his dad is saying that the injury was more severe than what they really led on to the public. If that's the case, then uh, seeing him getting focused and getting healed up is his top priority. You can't blame him. But I would just would have liked to have seen him being around the team uh, instead of actually withdrawing for school because I think his mentorship – for like Tyree Smith and Tyler Friday, some of those younger guys they may have to rely on would have been very valuable. Great stuff as always from Jonah Booker on this edition of the Bucknuts Morning 15. Uh, really appreciate it, Jay Book. You can catch him on Twitter at jbook37. You can catch him on Bucknuts, of course. His column is outside Columbus, and he's all over the front row message board as well. So thank you very much to Jonah Booker, and thank you very much to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. I appreciate it. Hope you have a great day and a great weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow night, Bucknutters. Let's show that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land.